0: Welcome to One to One, the conversational marketing podcast dedicated to helping modern marketing teams succeed in a messaging-first and privacy-first world. In each episode, we'll interview a marketer who is winning with conversational marketing to distill best practices, lessons learned, and actionable takeaways. Here's your host, Benji Bear, VP of Marketing at Spectrum.
1: Hey, everyone, and thanks for listening to One to One, the conversational marketing podcast. Today, I'm speaking with Alana Martyr. She's Senior Director of Communications and Influencer Marketing at ColourPop, which is a line of products from Seed Beauty. Uh, Alana, thanks for coming on the podcast and chatting with me today.
0: Thank you. It's fun to virtually leave my little home office that I never leave because we're, some of us are still stuck at home. So thank you. I feel
1: you. (laughs) I am, I am also here almost all the time as well. And as I mentioned before, there's often a a little baby behind me that, that can scream. So just a a heads up there. But it looks like you have a beautiful home office from what I'm seeing, which is nice. I think before, you know, there's a lot of interesting things. We're going to talk today about in terms of ColorPop, Instagram, influencer marketing, lots of good things when it comes to digital marketing in general. Before we do that, can you give a short intro to yourself, you know, your background and what brought you eventually to
0: ColorPop. Yeah. So I am originally from Canada and I've been in L.A. now for the past six odd years, I think. And I spend a lot of time in the intersection between communications, influencer or celebrity relations and events and brand partnerships. I try to focus on one and then somehow I'm focusing on all three or four very quickly again because they're also synergistic and tied together. So I started out my career in more of the luxury fashion space. I spent a couple of years in New York, in London, and then I transitioned into the connection of fashion and beauty in the licensee space where I was working with licensee brands and their licensee fashion brands and their beauty segments. And then I found myself really interested in stepping away from these like big fashion houses and big groups and being more in the day-to-day in D2C brands where, you know, you're able to see like sales trends and really react to them and for better or for worse, where you're less protected by, you know, a big house or a big group and you're able to really, you know, make quick decisions and strategic pivots based on what happened last Tuesday. So I came out to LA kind of in search of like that niche and spent some time in the subscription space for a couple of years. And thankfully have found myself at Seed Beauty and I've been here for almost a year. And as you mentioned, I lead our PR and communications function, our influencer marketing function. And then we don't officially have an events team. So like I said, the, somehow it always becomes my job, which I love. So that's also a piece of kind of my purview.
1: Nice. Yeah, thank you for that overview. It sounds like a, a lot of interesting experience. I'm sure you, as you mentioned, you have, there's a big difference between the kind of premium luxury houses and and D2C, especially in the subscription space. I'm sure a big part of that, like you mentioned, is is being agile, probably being a little closer to your customers. As a marketer, can you talk a little bit to that, how you feel you're doing that at ColourPop and uh, you know how you stay really close and kind of own that customer data and the relationship with them?
0: Yeah, it's definitely an entirely different world in California C brands than it is in like these New York or larger global fashion houses. Because I feel like there's, there was for me a bit of a disconnect with like your customer when I was in these bigger brands. Because, you know, you see people on the street, like carrying the purse that you're marketing, or you see like, you know, your, your flyers up on a billboard and you can see how it trickles down to the customer, but you don't really get customer feedback in the same way. And you don't kind of have listening tools where you're able to listen to your customer in the way that you do in these like kind of smaller, more D 2 c past seed stage of startup, but you know, like more growth oriented businesses. ColourPop has been really amazing for this piece of like my career in terms of listening to customers reacting to them figuring out what we're delivering and how it's landing we do a ton of social listening we're a very social-based brand and because we kind of became who we are as a d2c brand who doesn't really sell in retailers until recently besides ulta we were built on social and we were built with influencers and we were built on our own social account we have 10 million followers on instagram and it's an wildly engaged community for better or for worse. So we do a lot of listening to our customers and our community in the comments on social. We ask them a lot of questions on the influencer front. We work with thousands of influencers, all of which you know, we track them very closely. We know them by name. We know who's performing. We know who's missed posting, And we do that all by having some really old-fashioned tools and some really new tools on how to, like, track those people and make sure that we're managing them appropriately and giving them what they need. But we also listen to the comments in our influencer posts. And we listen really closely to what our influencers are saying. And we try kind of treat them as, like, an extension of our customer because they're obviously the ones speaking to our customer. So I think the best long-winded answer I'll give you is we spend a lot of time on social in my world, listening and talking to our customers, because that's really our platform. That's our tool where we've been able to connect and grow in a really efficient way.
1: Yeah. 10 million followers. I know I also recently saw that you started selling in Target, but clearly you have built a very, very strong brand and following on Instagram. And like a lot of D2C brands, it seems to be that has been like your trajectory for growth. I'd love to dig in a little bit into the tools. You mentioned you're using a combination of new and old school tools. It's like, when you say old school, I'm just imagining a Google Sheet or an Excel sheet with all your influencer <laughs> lists. What, what other kind of things are in your stack that helps you manage all those relationships to, to really make the most of influencers you're working with?
0: Yeah, so as much as we tried to get away from it, we keep coming back to like kind of an old fashioned version of a Google Sheet for some of our management. And I think that's because we launch really frequently. And so with a really robust community, we have a really large group of influencers that we work with. And with how often we launch, we want to make sure that we're not sending everybody the same items that they got like last month and that we're alternating and that everybody gets a piece of the pie. And we've tried a lot of different things and we keep coming back to our good old-fashioned Google sheet to be able to, to organize that and sort it. But... Beyond that, two of the platforms on the influencer side that we use are Tribe Dynamics and Grin. A lot of people use those together and a lot of people use them apart and think we're ridiculous for using them together. I think one of the reasons that we came to Grin is for organization and community management. And we actually ended up using them in a very different way than we planned to. And it's been a really pleasant surprise. We use them to allow our influencer community to place orders via our website because they're integrated with Shopify. And so that for us, when we first signed up, was like a benefit. It was just like a hot ticket. And we were like, that's a cool extra thing that we can do. We're going to primarily use Grin for different functionalities. And we really got in it. And then we realized how valuable this was. And this became our big focus. Because we launched the Munch and we have so many influencers, and the influencer landscape has changed in such a big way, with every brand sending every influencer so much stuff, we don't want to just be like flinging packages out the door. It's not respectful to the environment, it's not respectful to our influencer, it's not respectful to our customer, and it's not respectful to our budgets. So it's just not a good plan anymore. And so we use Grin to allow a, a rotating group of our influencers to order from our website and to, you know, shop custom collections that we create for them based on what we're focused on, based on what we're pushing, whether it's cyber, whether it's gifting season, whether it's Halloween. So that for us has kind of widened our breadth and allowed us to interact with more influencers every month, because it doesn't mean that in order to interact with a thousand more influencers, we have to send a thousand more packages. We can send out a thousand emails and they can all feel like they heard from us and they were offered something from us. And if they need something from us, they have a very accessible way to get it. And 30 to 60% of those people will respond and place an order And then we have product in their hands, but we didn't waste money on the other 40% that were traveling or weren't interested or had enough, which is definitely important during today's like overwhelmed world. And then we use tribe for more of our tracking purposes in the beauty space. Tribe is kind of a leader in like ranking different brands in terms of like how much EMV you're receiving and EMV in terms of earned media value. And that's really a proprietary metric that Multiple different tracking softwares have, and they're all a little bit different, but mm. Tribes is however Tribe calculates it. And it's a combination of impressions, engagements, views, likes, comments, etc. And they all hold a different weighting and they all shift as the new algorithm shift, although we're doing our best to keep up with how fast they are shifting. So we use Tribe to really understand who is driving what, who is driving what awareness, who is posting right now who is posting the posts that are getting the most likes and getting the most views and how do we make sure we interact with those people and keep them engaged also how do we see those posts really quickly so that we can engage with them and so that we can make sure we're trolling the comments and answering questions if needed so our social team that is responsible for building that group of 10 million engaged amazing people supports us and kind of like hopping in and seeing who's posted and like how can we hop into those comments to support our our KPIs and goals it also allows us to look at who haven't we heard from in a while? Like who have we sent packages to and reached out to and they've kind of gone dormant? And why have they gone dormant? Have they stopped posting all altogether? Have they just stopped posting us? And it allows us to kind of prioritize where we focus our energy and efforts and start to really learn people's faces and names beyond just being like a name on a spreadsheet, because community is so important to us. We don't want any of our influencers to just feel like they're a name on a spreadsheet and we're sending them a package. They're a human being and, you know, they're supporting us and we want to support them. And so Tribe allows us to kind of identify them as a top earner, top performer, top poster, or somebody who's fallen off or somebody who sits in the middle or somebody who's posted about a competitor brand and we they've jumped out at us. So it's a really helpful tracking software for us in, in all of those different ways.
1: Yeah, I love that. Thank you for the very detailed breakdown. It's the kind of thing that's so interesting to our listeners and I think to digital marketers that are trying to use influencer networks like that. It seems like you have a very detailed approach to that in the sense that you know, you're know you operating at such a scale that it's almost like you're treating them like the customers as well, right? There's an entire like order management system that you've built out to serve them to make sure that they get the level of personalization that you would almost expect a lot of customers to be getting. So I think it's a really interesting also how you've found a tool that had like such a key feature for you that you wouldn't have considered as a major benefit but that became kind of the foundation for how you're actually able to scale this out really i think really interesting to see how that's worked i mean i've talked to quite a few people on this podcast who talk about influencer and community marketing and allowing your brand to kind of run wild in culture and like on on social how how do you view that do you like to keep things relatively controlled in terms of the influencers that you are working with? I mean, you work with so many that there must be some complexity in that. But I'd love to hear your thoughts on do you try to keep the brand very tight? Do you let influencers kind of run with it? What are your feelings on that?
0: That's such an interesting question, because I'm such a control freak (laughs) in so many aspects of my life. And I actually don't believe that controlling our community and the message to a very finite degree is beneficial anymore. I think in influencer marketing, there was a time where the space was less noisy. There were less influencers, there were less creators, especially before TikTok happened and, you know, made your neighbor famous and like great for your neighbor, but that's just not the creators that built influencer marketing. So there was a time where making sure that that influencer said exactly what you wanted them to say was really important because... That's how people were used to being given information and receiving, quote unquote, ads. And there was more validity from the customer perspective. Like if you saw somebody promoting something and you trusted them as an influencer, as a creator, you trusted what they were selling and you felt like they were doing it because it was important to them and you could relate to them. There's been so much growth with influencers over the past six months, two years, five years, that now a lot of those influencers aren't relatable to the customer anymore. And now people are like, well, how can I, you used to have a job, you used to work at a supermarket, I used to work at like Macy's, I got you before. Like you just felt like I was following my friend and now you live in a mansion and you're in Italy all the time. Like I don't get you anymore. So I want to know what you're doing, but I can't afford what you're talking about. And it feels like you're reading me a script. And TikTok has given way to this very, like, organic type of creator and influencer that, like I said, like, it could be your neighbor, it could be your kid is all of a sudden famous because they're, like, posting fun dances on TikTok, which is scary, but also wild for the people who are on, like, my side of the table because there's a whole new subset of talent that we're speaking to. But the reason that talent exists is because they're authentic and they're talking Mm -hmm. about what matters to them and they feel really real. So I think the biggest and most meaningful thing in the influencer marketing space is making sure that you're thinking about your customer as the final customer spending the money, but also your influencer a little bit. And you're making them feel like they get to lean into what works for their audience. Because if you allow them to do that, I shouldn't say I'm like giving away like what I feel like is a a big internal secret here. But if you allow them to do that, I feel like you're often able to, to spend a little less. And like, I hope no influencers are listening to this, but it's because you're not requiring them to stand there and recite exactly what you wrote for them. You're giving them an opportunity to create content that they feel like will resonate, could go viral. You may put ad spend behind and you're letting them do it with like their own personality in it. And you're not having them like read your script verbatim and do exactly what you told them to do, which is gonna get a good response for them. And then at the end of the day, The customer that's watching them, which is their customer and our customer, hopefully, is feeling like it's real and is really, you know, feeling like they can believe what that influencer is saying and they want to believe what they're saying because it doesn't feel forced. So there's so much more potential for virality. There's so much more potential for sales. There's so much more potential for consumer conversion when you don't control things too hard because it just feels inauthentic. The one contradictory thing that I'll say is that it's important to not let your brand message get run away with. And you want to make sure that you're working with the right type of influencer who's not going to misrepresent who you are and working with an influencer that doesn't stand for your values. So, you know, cancel culture is a big thing and no one should walk around being afraid of cancel culture, but they should walk around with the awareness of you need to really investigate who you work with and make sure that they're the right people. And if they're the wrong people, take responsibility for it and, and address it and correct it. But that's the one piece that I would say to control is like, make sure you're working with the people that you can trust to tell the right story about your brand, even if it's their version of the story and a story that you feel aligned with so that, you know, you're not aligning yourself with views that might not be appropriate for your target customer or your existing customer.
1: Yeah. I I love that. I mean, it, you have to, like you said, control that to some extent, but then for it to feel authentic to their their communities, it's about letting them retell your story in a way that makes it their story, which is how eventually that trickles down into making it the person, the customer's story on the receiving end of it, too. Like they can then connect with that person and i also i totally agree with you that the disconnect from the huge influencers on instagram and the type of lives that they have started leading versus like what's happening yeah. on tiktok it's a very different world and i feel like everyone talks about gen z in particular seeking authenticity shifting away from like the the picture of the perfect life and wanting something that is feels more real and a bit more raw and i'm sure that you've seen a lot of that with the people that you're working with i think tiktok is also Just the nature of, you know, you mentioned sometimes, you know, promoting the content, like influencer content through ads. I feel like TikTok is such a good platform for that because it feels so native and in stream, even when you are promoting it, like sponsored content. There is just incredibly native feeling to the experience of scrolling through a video. So I think it probably has a lot of a lot of power there, too.
0: Yeah. I mean, TikTok has made a great choice by making advertisements feel like native organic content. And I think meta has gone the opposite direction and it's created a big divide. And I think one of the things, just to piggyback off something you said, like one of the things that we actually do do that I hope influencers are listening for is we go search for content that we think is great that they've created unbeknownst to us, whether it's that they purchased an item or they were gifted an item. And then if it's content that we feel like speaks very clearly to something we're focused on, We'll ask them to purchase ad rights to it, and then we'll then run ads behind that content. So we look to our community that's generating organic content to then pay them after they've created something and actually boost those ads. Because that's the most authentic ad you could possibly make is something that someone made, you didn't ask them to make it. And they said something that was so true to who you are that you want to now use it as an ad.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. I wish I had that kind of thing in the b2b space. Uh, It rarely (laughs) happens. Um, But I'm sure you have a wealth of amazing kind of community generated content like that. And that's, that's such a good shout out. I mean, I think that we've touched on a couple of the things, like as far as how you see the state of consumer and like influencer marketing today in terms of like those shifts. But if you were to give kind of a lay of the land and what you see as the most interesting things, like what, what are they for you?
0: I think one of the biggest challenges and interesting things, and I don't know where this goes, is just, you know, Meta's playing around with algorithms and changing so many systems and functions and there's so many privacy functions via Apple, which are very important to change. I respect and appreciate those changes as a customer. As a marketer, makes my job harder. But as a customer, I they're important and they're there for a reason. I think this ever evolving like social landscape is moving so fast that It makes me wonder, you know, how this is, it's completely unsustainable, like how fast we're moving and what comes next. I don't know the answer, but I think in terms of, you know, keeping up with how fast we're going and what comes next, it's pretty wild. I think one of the things that's really interesting is Meta's new rollout of subscriptions on Instagram. So you're able to subscribe to like a creator channel or a brand channel. I think that's fascinating. And I think it's really fascinating for brands. I think for creators, I think it causes a whole slew of things I haven't even got to yet on like the sponsorship side or the gifting side. But I'm really curious to see where that goes. And I think Meta has a lot of great things that they're working on like this. But I do think a lot about how sustainable how all of this fast moving growth is and how sustainable it is to have just such a massive group of creators and influencers out there. And that's only fueled by how many more social media platforms we're getting. You know, it's become like a job now that people, young people aspire to be like, I want to be a YouTube creator. What does that mean when 10 years from now, when they're 20 years old? Oh, I try not to think about it too hard (laughs) because it breaks my brain, but you know, that's something (laughs) we talk about all the time.
1: Yeah, I believe it. I mean, it's, I think that's, The reality that digital marketers have to grapple with is just ever evolving and probably shifting faster and faster. Like you said, I think, yeah, that evolution of influencers and creators as well as one that I'm watching with curiosity because you see it on every social network, just the sheer volume of of Mm -hmm. people that are getting into the game because of... The money that's in the game as well now it's fascinating to watch and i think it's going to be interesting to watch the evolution of communities and influencers that have been there for so long you know an influencer that becomes an influencer when they're 18 20 what does that look like when they're 30 if they continue with that right is that a job they can sustain how does their the types of influence they have the communities they have influence over evolve yeah very very interesting space i personally am not like so deep in the influencer marketing side of things. So it's like very interesting to hear you talk through how you see the market, because obviously ColourPop has used this as the foundation for so much of its growth, which has been very explosive. So I mean, I'd love to shift a little bit. You know, we've talked about yeah. Instagram, TikTok. You mentioned at the very start that ColorPop has even gone into some retail and obviously Target is like a huge partnership. Yeah. What channels are you seeing work best? And what about the least? You know, another thing you touched on is also Privacy, like the reduction of signals that we have as digital marketers to reach the right people with the right message and to really understand what's going on in our funnel. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Here you talk through what channels are working for you.
0: For sure. I think I can't necessarily speak to numbers per se. We also just mm-hmm. launched in Target like 11, 11 days and counting ago. <laughs> okay. um, but what I will, what I will say, which I think, I think D2C is really challenging now and it's because there's so many startups and there's so many young brands and the beauty space has gotten really saturated and you know our d2c D- has always been a bread and butter it's always done really well for us people know us as like colorpop.com like we've never had a physical location we've done partnerships with retail stores before we've been physically accessible via ulta and sephora in the past but people know like our website is our spot and our our instagram and our social is how they get like the the content and the information that being said, I think there is a lot of interest from the customer now, especially after COVID, to try things in person and to be less challenged by a return process or, you know, with supply chain issues to have to wait for something to ship. Like people really want instant gratification in a big way. And although, you know, you walk around the streets of New York and all of the stores are empty and it's really eerie and you feel like where are all the shoppers? D 2 C is making up and I'm not speaking on behalf of ColourPop, I'm speaking up like larger conversations that I've had recently, like online, is making up a small percentage. And for us, that's D to C because we don't have an in-person store. But for brands that have in-person stores, dot com is still only making up a small percentage of the business that they're doing. So Target was really great for us. It was really exciting because we were able to be accessible. And accessible is so important. And dot-com doesn't necessarily mean the most accessible thing anymore, especially if you're not on Amazon and you can't be in someone's hands in 24 hours. So I would say accessibility is something that's a massive focus for our customers right now. And it's a big focus for us in response. And then on the advertising front, I'm going to kind of speak separate to ColourPop here, but I think two things that do really well for us or a couple things one is like working with affiliate partners and making sure that you know we're talking to our customers in a way that they can hear us with deals that make sense for them And we have a really amazing guy who leads our affiliate channel and he's really great at finding those things. And I think it works on me all the time. Like I get a honey pop-up and I'm like, oh, I get $2 off, I'm gonna buy this. I didn't need that thing. But they're speaking to me in the moment of what matters and immediacy is important. And so working with affiliate partners to reach those people who react to those types of offers that wouldn't react to them if they just, I don't know, got a text message at eight o'clock in the morning when they were busy or got an email and they probably just, filed an email because it's in their spam folder of, of Google. But affiliate partners have been a really big and great resource for us. It's obviously a challenge for our Omni channel because we can't run that for Omni. We can only run it for D2C, but it's something that's been great. And then on the ad front, you know, not to take it back to social, but strangely enough, I think Facebook and TikTok are the two that tend to work because Facebook, you're talking to a really engaged group of people who usually are older, or they're there to like go on a forum and talk to each other and be in a group and like communicate and really get like feedback and responses. And then TikTok just feels so organic that people aren't like, Oh, this is an ad, I'm going to scroll or I'm going to which is, I'm sure not always going to exist. And so many of like my marketing friends are like, I feel like we're in this cash grab moment, and we just need to stay in it for as long as we can. But a couple of things that I'm interested in, in the like ad space that I haven't really gotten into in a big way yet is Reddit. And there was a really interesting article recently about like beauty and Reddit. And authenticity is so important. Real people's opinions are so important. And I think as we zoom out and think about like where we invest our time and energy, investing in the real people and the real conversations is something that's going to work really well for advertising over the next little while because Instagram... The feedback from everyone is it feels too curated. I don't like being served ads all the time. I don't like feeling like I'm scrolling through some version of a magazine with like my friends' faces on it that don't even feel like my friends anymore because it's like, when did they become an Instagram model? So I'm really curious to see how Reddit and other relevant platforms become something that we focus on in a way that maybe we didn't used to.
1: Yeah, you mentioned some really... A good collection of channels there. I feel like that, you know, so many D2C brands that were born of social and that relationship that was so online and direct to consumer have obviously then cemented big retail partnerships like Target to continue to scale their growth or moved into stores, which was kind of the antithesis of what they were doing in the first place. But then yeah. that's obviously a natural evolution of, of trying to grow revenue in the space. And I think the lens that you put there is really interesting, right? Accessibility. It's not like, I feel like your investments on social, uh, whether they're you know TikTok, Instagram, Reddit, will pour over into that space, right? Like you, People will know your brand, they will go into Target, they will be able to buy ColourPop directly and test it. So I think there will be probably a knock-on effect that you're not going to see in your campaign, your attribution tools or anything like that, but it, it will be there. Uh, and I think Reddit also, yeah, interesting one where it's, again, it, like you said, it boils down to authenticity, like the people that are on threads in Reddit are very deep into a topic and they value each other's kind of input. And I think that's a really interesting community because it's also very different. The dynamics are very different to, to some of the other ones you you laid out.
0: The dynamics are a little scary on Reddit. <laughs> but, but I was talking to somebody the other day and they were talking about, they're an omni-channel brand and they were talking about how their advertising programs for D2C and... Omni-channel were completely separate and their influencer programs are completely separate. And, you know, I was really pushing them on why that is because everything you do for D 2 C will waterfall over to CBS, Target, Whole Foods, wherever you're selling Ulta, Sephora, because it's, it's so much about brand awareness and you now can't track someone's clickability. Like they've gone and they've seen you and target when they're buying their bananas or their kids clothes. And they're like, Oh, I don't need to go to a website and order my mascara. I'm just going to grab this one. I've heard it's good. And you've all of a sudden just hooked a new customer, but you would never know that because you can't track it to your .com. So I think it's so important in the influencer and PR space to be able to zoom out as a business and say, what are my KPIs here beyond conversions?" Because influencers and media, don't sell like they used to because not everything is just .com and they're not driving clicks like they used to. People are interacting so differently Mm -hmm. that if you make your singular KPI sales, you're going to constantly feel like you're on a hamster wheel. You have to be able to zoom out, look at the big picture, look at the data and start to identify trends. One of the things we looked at is besides this EMB metric that we go by that is tribes metric, what other numbers most highly correlate to our sales performance? Is it reach? Is it number of posts? Is it numbers of influencers posting? And then we found out that answer. And then that's what our secondary goal is. Like we want, for example, impressions to be... We care about impressions the most because that's where we see our sales trend highest across all of our platforms. And that's what you really need to be thinking about. Because if you are like, how many lip glosses did that Vogue article sell? And the answer is two... You never want to do that again, but of course you want to do that again.
1: Yeah, I, that's such a good point. We've seen that with a lot of the brands that we work with as well, that the ones there has been this shift, right? Like the beginning of e or just, you know, online retail in general was everything was optimized towards like the most downstream conversion possible, right? Mm-hmm. Like we only care about sales. We care about the highest average order value. And I think the space is maturing and people are saying that actually the way that people buy now is so different, like you said. And so it's it's interesting to hear you talk about how do we correlate the different metrics further upstream to sales without necessarily having like a last click or direct relationship. And I mean, it's obviously not a brand new thing There's lots of big brands that have been doing this for a long time online. But I think that narrative is becoming more and more commonplace. Like people are waking up to the reality that you know, you're not going to be able to track everything perfectly in your campaign manager, and you're probably going to make some very poor decisions, like you outlined about Vogue, like if you are solely looking at those metrics, when really, if you take a a more holistic view of it, you can make decisions that are much better for your business in the long term.
0: Yeah, if I could like shout something into the void and just pray that it stuck, (laughs) it would be like any human being in any brand marketing role needs to have the ability to do their work attributed to brand marketing metrics and not just like conversion or financial metrics because it's so important and i think when you go into a business and you're not aligned on that and you know maybe your financial leadership doesn't agree with that you're not set up for success and your business is most likely not going to be as successful as it could be because you're not allowing yourself the space for awareness and recognition and you know brand allegiance for new customers and old customers. When I'm looking at opportunities, whether it's on the consulting side or whether it's, you know, when I came to ColourPop, that was the first conversation I had is, what do you want to, what are your KPIs? Like, what do you want to see from someone like me? And it was so refreshing to have the conversation about, yes, of course, like sales are important to us. Site sessions are important to us. That's our ultimate goal is to financially do well and move our product and get our product in people's hands and have them love it. But along the way, we know that our metrics are going to be brand awareness focused at least some of the time. And, you know, when I'm meeting with someone in the consulting front and they're like, but well, wait, how much is that going to sell? I just usually end up saying, I don't, I don't think I'm the right fit for you. And I don't think you're the right fit for me because. I don't want to let you down, and I don't know anyone that's not going to let you down.
1: <laughs> yeah, a good a good thing to get straight at the very beginning of that relationship for sure. Yeah. Um, look, there are some questions that we had that we were, don't have so much time to cover because I think some of the things that you we've talked about are are way more interesting and a bit more detailed than the initial questions we I had uh, in this interview. No, not at all. This is great, and I, I'd love to wrap things up a little bit, but also focus on maybe the top three pieces of advice that you would have for other marketers in this space. You've touched on a a bunch of things here. But if you could just give three, uh, what would they be?
0: I think the first is kind of what I just said about like, (laughs) that I'd love to shout into the void is allow yourself the space to grow and do the exercises that you need to really make your customers know who you are and what you stand for. And stand out against the competition because there is so much competition now so you know allow your kpis to also be awareness focused as long as you're in the right function to be able to do that i think the second piece i would say is really find ways to listen to your customer whether it's like spending time on social each day whether it's looking at your influencer comments whether it's having a social listening tool and really utilizing that tool if you don't have the time for any of those things find a way to like download a report that shows you sentiment and really flag like the top interacted with comments because you'll learn so much from the people that are spending time giving you information and hold hands with your cs team like the amount of cs emails i'm in i sometimes i'm like why why but i learn a lot and you know it waterfalls over into how i speak and what i do and decide to do and i think the other you know this is off topic from everything we just spoke about but (laughs) People and amazing people are really hard to come by on a team and in a working environment. And I think investing in your team and the people that you work with just as much as you invest in your customer are really, really important because those are the people that are going to keep your business like moving and running and making sure that your team has what they need in order to succeed is the first and most important thing in order to set up like a successful function in business. And we're all at home and we're not like sitting near each other anymore. And we're not giving the younger subset the opportunities we had to hear each other talk. It's easy to forget like how important those people are. But just really invest in your team in the best way you know how, if it's not, however it is, it's just important to remember that, you know, they're the first link to your customer. So you got to invest in the people in your own room and in your own company
1: yeah i love that investing in your team a very very big one and i'd say the other one like competition is fierce so awareness is key like you said number one awareness is key and number two know your customers because that's how you're going to win your market and you're going to win your market by having an amazing team of people that are going to help you do that as well Uh, so i think those are great pieces of advice for for any marketer out there as we wrap up you know i know you said you don't like to to project too much into the future, you don't know what's coming. But, you know, five years from now, can you give a guess? Like, what do you feel? What is the future of consumer marketing looking like?
0: Oh, we're all going to live on the moon at that point. Um, (laughs) I think that the Gen Z generation is... Even more defensive or protective, I should say that's a more appropriate word of their privacy and of what they'll let into their space and what brands that they'll continue to pay for and partner with. So I think things like text messages, things like pop up ads, like subscribing to emails, I think those are going to become a lot less prevalent because someone who's much younger than me just showed me how to unsubscribe from all my emails by clicking one button. And I was like, what just happened? So. I think we're going to have to reach Gen Z and the more evolved, like private customer in ways that are different than we're used to. It's not going to be SMS. It's not going to be email. It's not going to be banner ads. We're going to have to find ways that are more meaningful. And I think part of that is like business ethos, philanthropy, who we partner with, how we tell stories, where we show up. Um, So I think it's going to be a lot of more meaningful marketing work versus just communicating, which is what we do now is we communicate. All day long to everybody all the time so we'll see but that's my hypothesis
1: yeah that's amazing to hear you say that i feel like it was almost a tee up for some of the things that we do at spectrum (laughs) because we're so focused on like building those meaningful one-to-one relationships through like two-way communication on kind of messaging apps where people spend all of their time but i i completely agree with you there's like that that one-to-many approach Of blasting ads out in public of like one-way communication is is lacks authenticity more and more lacks connection particularly with younger customers and so it's going to be interesting to see how brands adapt with all of the touch points that are available to them now like all of these different channels it's very exciting times and as you said just Constantly shifting. Alana, thank you so much. It's been really interesting hearing your views on digital marketing, on influencer marketing. Before we wrap up today, can you, you know, if people want to learn more about ColorPop or you and follow the work that you're doing, can you tell them where to go?
0: Yeah, colorpop.com, Alta or Target for ColourPop. Exciting to be able to say Target. And for myself, yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn, Alana Martyr. And this is really fun. Thank you for. Give me someone else to talk to who's not on my team during the day <laughs>
1: <laughs> i'm always happy always happy to be that sounding board and yeah for all our listeners that you heard it go check out Elena on linkedin or go to colorpop.com and if you want to learn more about spectrum and the work that we do go to spectrum.io or check us out on linkedin as well thanks again for listening everyone and have a great rest of your day